truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of God, the spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understand the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. I ask the Lord to add a blessing to his word. What I want to do is put this uh, passage, verses 10 through 16, in its proper context. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church in an era that was filled with different philosophies. The Corinthian church, they aligned themselves with different philosophers. When some of the Corinthian people converted to Christianity, that caused a problem because what they did, they dragged the philosophies within the church. This caused the Corinthian church to be rationalistic in their thinking. And also it promoted intellectual reasoning. That is to say, the more that they strive to obtain a higher learning, lesser the power of the gospel became. This is why Paul said Christ sent him to preach the gospel, not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be empty of its power. Again, Paul stressed his point in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 through 5, saying, My speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men. The Corinthian church, they depended on on their own wisdom to answer life-troubling questions. They all possess knowledge depending on what they knew. But this type of knowledge was the knowledge that puffed up. Their minds were filled with worldly and philosophical thinking, and it was, had nothing to do with the gospel. It had nothing to do with the church, and it had nothing to do with Christ. And the purpose for this morning passage is to analyze Paul's argument. Or Paul's argument against worldly wisdom. And by doing so, we will have a better understanding of what it means to be spirit-filled and have a spirit-filled mind. Because to have a spirit-filled mind is another portion 
of being filled by the Holy Spirit. Take a look at verse 10. Paul states uh, this in verse 10. These things God has revealed to us through the what? Spirit. The word us identifies that he is speaking to Christians. He is speaking to the church, the body of Christ, not the world. The Spirit of God has revealed. What has he revealed? He revealed the hidden wisdom of the gospel by which Jesus Christ was crucified and resurrected on the third day, according to the scriptures. The truth of the gospel is significant, beloved, because it is only by the gospel that we can say, be saved from our sins, from, from God's eternal wrath. It is only by the gospel that we are justified by faith. It is only by the gospel that we are righteous and sanctified in Christ in which he makes us holy in him. These are the things that God has revealed to us through the Holy Spirit. But to the world, the gospel is counted as foolishness. The, the gospel is counted as foolishness. This is what Paul said. He said, For the message of the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Love it when the world hears the gospel message, they scoff at it. It is laughable to them. People would say, Are you telling me I have to believe in a man by the name of Jesus to be saved? Yes, I am. Are you saying to me the only way to God is through Jesus Christ? Yes, I am saying that. That is foolish. Well, beloved, it's only, it's not foolish at all. It's only foolish to those whom the gospel is not revealed to. It was pleasing to God through the Holy Spirit to reveal the gospel to the prophets and apostles so that the prophets and apostles can reveal the word of God to us. Think about it. There are many books that you can purchase at a bookstore. Uh, they will, you can be well-informed, enlightening. You can become more knowledgeable on a specific 
topic. But there is only one book that surpasses all other books in this world, and that is the Word of God. The Word of God surpasses all other books in wisdom, knowledge, understanding, and enlightenment. That is the Bible. The book that you are holding in your hands or sitting on your lap. But for many of us, just for many, or for some, we take this for granted because we allow the word of God just to sit on our shelves and don't pick it up until Sunday morning. Uh-oh. How often do we take that for granted? And I'm not just picking at anyone because I can test this for my personal experience. Beloved, the inspired word of God is not an ordinary book. It is not a book filled with stories, just a book just filled with stories and letters written by men. Peter said it himself. Peter said, stated, no scripture was ever produced by the will of men, but men spoke from God as they were carried alone by the Holy, who? By the Holy Spirit. That's a big difference. That's the difference when you hear someone, this book was just written by men. Yes, in that sense. But the Holy Spirit is the one who inspired them to write. Therefore, making it the inspired written word of God. Um, Pastor Gus and I, along with several uh, ladies from the church, we went to Perkins Park on Wednesday uh, to share the gospel. And Pastor Gus, we talked to an individual. Uh, this individual shared with us that he was not sure if he is saved from God's eternal judgment. After Pastor Gus and I talked with him and prayed with him, I encouraged him to read the gospel of John. Because I have confidence in Scripture that Scripture alone can convict that individual of his sin so that he can come to faith. No other book has that power to save sinners except the Word of God. In a sense, in, in one sense, it is far better for that individual to just read scripture and I'm counting on the Holy Spirit to convict him of his sin than that individual listening to me. I know it's important for us to share the gospel verbally, but I can depend on the Holy Spirit as well to just reveal wisdom unto an individual. My words will fail, but the word of God will fail not. Anyone who reads the Bible, they are reading the very words of God. 
Again, you're reading the very words of God. Let us let us seek in. If you remember, um, in the B field, I, I, in the first B field sermon that I preached several months ago. I mentioned that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, categorically speaking. Furthermore, I mentioned that he is God of God, which means he has the exact attributes of God. I have the attributes of alone with God the Father and God the Son. But if you look at verse uh, 10 in your Bibles, You can mark it as 10b, verse 10b and 11, and we will see that Paul highlighted one of the Holy Spirit attributes, which is his omniscience. Uh, The word omniscience is a fancy word, meaning that the Holy Spirit knows all things. Knows all things. The Holy Spirit has infinite knowledge and understanding of all things in past, in present, and in future. He knows our past sins, our present sins, and our future sins. This is what uh, Psalm 69, verse 5 says. Oh God, you know my folly. The wrongs I have done are not hidden from you. Or Psalms 90, verse 8 says, You have set our iniquities before you. Our secret sins in the light of your presence. The Holy Spirit knows everything about us. He knows our hurt, our pains, our trials, our ambitions, our joy, our love, our future glory with the Lord Jesus Christ. He knows. He knows because he is, say it with me, omniscient. All-knowing. And this is the reason why he is able to search everything, even the depths of God. One commentator said, one commentator said, now, Who can have such a thorough knowledge of God but God? Therefore, beloved, for some of you, if you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit urging you to have a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, I encourage you, don't reject that voice. Don't reject the Holy Spirit. 
of his conviction. It is for our good and for Christ's glory. Repent of our sins by faith in Jesus Christ so that we can be justified in the eyes of God. Look at it, verse 11. Paul's argument continues by comparing the spirit of God to the spirit of man. Paul is saying, just as much as the Holy Spirit knows the depths of God, a person's spirit knows everything about his own, his or her own thoughts. You know more about yourself than anybody else. Your spirit knows when you are upset, frustrated, tired, weak, complacent, self-reliant, angry, uh, shy, aggressive. Um, November the 29th will mark Kristen and I 10-year anniversary. Um, thank you. <laughs> uh, who who else? So I heard that. <laughs> A decade living with my wife and my wife putting up with me. Um, although we're going to be married for 10 years, I am still learning who she is as an individual. Her and I like to joke uh, about our marriage sometimes. She would say, well, Travis, you don't really know me yet. You still have a high school diploma. (laughs) And when it was eight years of marriage, she said, well, you just graduated college. (laughs) She's shaking her head. Well... That's true. It is difficult to understand her if she doesn't reveal to me her thoughts and her emotions. Just as much as difficult for her to understand me if I don't under, uh, reveal to her my thoughts and emotions. In a similar fashion, we will never fully understand the mind of God. And that's true. I know Melvin brought up this scripture earlier um, in Sunday school. And it's just marvelous how the Holy Spirit just weaves things together. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither my ways. Your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. The only person that can truly can reveal God's thoughts is the Spirit of God. One commentator said that just as much as our spirit knows our minds, the spirit of God is the mind of God 
the Father. Because he is the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 12. Verse 12 says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us. One key phrase that I want you to pay attention closely is that we did not receive the spirit of the world. Paul is saying to the Corinthian church, when you received the gospel, when you heard it, that did not come from the world, that came from God. And I like how, in my opinion, he's comparing the spirit of the world with the Spirit of God, because we know, according to Ephesians chapter 2, that the spirit of this world, the prince of the power of the air, that is at work, is Satan himself. That is a stark difference between being filled by the Holy Spirit and having a spirit-filled mind or having a spirit-filled mind of the world. And Paul is trying to encourage the Corinthian church to continue to strive to have that lightness, to have that mind a sane mind of God. Look at verse 13. Verse 13 says, And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are Spiritual. A key thing that I, when I was going through this text, I noticed that Paul said the word wisdom at least 15 times from chapter 1 till chapter 2, verses 8 through 16. It's important. As you can see behind me, if I can get there. <laughs> but the word spirit, I mean the word wisdom, is translated as, and my technology just fell. Moving on. The word wisdom is translated in Greek as Sophia. The Greek word means knowledge uh, is where we get the word sophistication from. I mean, intelligence. But here Paul adds another word. He added human to the word wisdom. 
And as I was doing my research, I was going over and saying, okay, could this mean the word philosophy? And one commentator said, yes. That the Corinthian church is trying to continue in human philosophy. And I'm sure some of you know that uh, philosophy means the love of wisdom, uh, Philadelphia, Phileo, that's where we get uh, Philly from, means love. So Philadelphia means the brotherly love. But here, Paul is one of them to just not attain human wisdom. He wanted them to attain the wisdom that comes from the Holy Spirit. I remember uh, telling my auntie-in-law that I wanted to go ahead and finish seminary. I already accomplished my bachelor's degree. And as I was talking to her over the phone, she was saying, well, don't you know that uh, the Holy Spirit would teach you? Yes. I understood what she was saying. I understood that you don't need all that learning because the Holy Spirit would teach you. I know that. And that's true. It doesn't take a seminary degree for some people or a bachelor's degree to really comprehend the word of God because if God's spirit lies within you, he will reveal scripture to you. And yes, you can add more knowledge and learning to what the Holy Spirit is teaching you. There's nothing wrong with that. Look at verse 14 and 15. It says, The natural person does not accept the things of God, the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. And I don't want you to misunderstand me. Because when we think about it, I think Ken was talking about it too uh, this Sunday morning. When you think about it, when you compare the natural man against the spiritual man, that's what Paul is doing. The natural person who is not a Christian, that doesn't mean that they are not intelligent. If you take your car to a mechanic, the first thing you're not thinking, the first thing you're not going to think about is that if he's a Christian, you're going to think about if he's a good mechanic. When it comes to astronauts or engineers, it doesn't necessarily have to be that they are Christians. So I don't want us to miss this point that Paul is comparing between the natural person and the spiritual person. But what Paul is saying, beloved, is that the natural person have no inclination of who God is. They cannot tell you what is the, what is about what God's sovereignty is about. How God functioned in his love through his son. 
his mercy, his joy, his forbearance for people's sin. That your person cannot tell you that. Turn to Jeremiah verse 8 through 9. Because my technology is failing. So old-fashioned way. Back up. It's still reconnecting. Don't worry about it. Turn to Jeremiah. Thanks, Columbus. Uh, Jeremiah 8 through 9. And this is one reason why a person can remain a natural person, not a spiritual person. When you there, just say amen. Amen. Jeremiah verse 8 through 9 says, The wise men shall be put to shame, for they shall be dismayed and taken. Behold, they have rejected the Lord, the word of the Lord, so what wisdom is to them. Did y'all catch that? It's, in other words, if you think about one of the, if you think about an atheist, there are bright, intelligent atheists like Richard Dawkins, one recently, well, not recently, an atheist passed uh, several years ago, a tight and intelligent man, but refused to accept the wisdom of God. So they will argue that there is no God. Something that is clearly shown by creation. And here's the reason why. A reason why is according to Romans chapter 8, verse 5 through 6, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is what, beloved? Life. This is what Paul is saying. Oh yes, you can you can be wise. You can have all the intelligence that you desire in this world, but you will still fail fall short of knowing the love of God. And so many of us, including myself, we fall into this snare as well. That we, if you do a self-observation and try to think about how you monitor your life on a daily basis, ask yourself, whose wisdom are you being filled with? Is it sports? ESPN? Is it the news? Is it Facebook? 
Is it Instagram? Is it Bill O'Reilly? I don't know. I'm just naming off something off the top of my head. But you have to observe for yourself. Are you continually to be filled by the Spirit, or are you continually be, uh, being filled by something else, mentally speaking? There more that we allow ourselves to be inundated by worldly things, the less that we will become and have the knowledge and the mind of God. It is that simple. Verse 16, beloved. It says, you can turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. It says, for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him. And what is the answer to that? No one. Absolutely nobody can instruct the Lord. Because we don't have that same type of mind as the Lord. And this is what Paul is, is drawing out of this particular text. He is saying the Spirit of God is the only one knows anything about the Lord. But Paul doesn't stop there. Look at the last sentence in verse 16. But we have the mind of Christ. Although we cannot have God the Father's mind, but we do have the likeness of the mind of Christ. That is achievable. One commentator said, Who can enter so far into the mind of God as to instruct him who has the Spirit of God? He only is the person to whom God immediately communicates the knowledge of his will. And who can inform or instruct him in the mind of God who is so immediately under the conduct of his own spirit? He went on to say, but the apostle adds, we have the mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ is the mind of of God. Amen? The mind of Christ is the mind of God and what God has revealed through Christ it has been revealed to us through the gospel. That is why it's important to see that this is achievable. We can have the mind of Christ, I mean, the mind of God the Father through Christ Jesus. So, to close this sermon out with an application, I want to ask you several questions. Are you spirit? Do you have a spirit-filled mind? 
The answer to that is yes. But let's qualify this. What type of spirit-filled mind do you have? Is your mind is filled with worldly things, different philosophies of the world that you are continually allowed to be taught by? Or is your mind is only on a daily track, a healthy diet to continue to be led by the Spirit, continue to read his word daily, meditate on his word day and night so that your mind can be fueled by him. So whatever you put in your mind, that is what's going to come out. This is what it means to be fueled, beloved. Whatever you put in your spirit, whatever you put in your mind, that is what's going to come out of you. I got this questionnaire from God... Uh, the last questions that I want to ask you, I got it from gotquestions.org. A good resource to go to if you desire to do it. A writer of this article said, The mind of Christ stands in sharp contrast to the wisdom of man. The mind of Christ involves wisdom from God, once hidden, but now revealed through the gospel. The mind of Christ is given to believers through the Spirit of God. Four, the mind of Christ cannot be understood by those without the Spirit. And lastly, the mind of Christ gives believers discernment, discernment in spiritual matters. Amen. So, beloved, you have to judge for yourself. To wrap up these three sermon series that I have done, we're going to do another one. We're going to talk about what it looks like to be a spirit, what is it, what it is to be a spirit-filled family. But these last three, are you being filled? Are you being sanctified in the Lord by being filled by the Holy Spirit? And do you have a spirit-filled mind? Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Father, I pray for myself, for your people, for those who hear your voice, that you will continue to call them unto your son, continue to bless them with the spiritual truths that is in your word. It is so easy for all of us, even including myself, to be distracted by the world. So I ask you to give us that extra uh, might and strength to overcome 
our fleshly minds and to overcome the fleshly things that desire us to be distracted from your beauty and from the beauty of the gospel. As I